Welcome to Restart Radio, a very different show about gadgets on Resonance 104.4 FM. This is a different show because unlike most, we do not focus on the new shiny, shiny things to buy. We focus on the value in the stuff we already have. The Restart Project aims for a shift of behavior towards a more sustainable and happier relationship with electronics. Our monthly community electronics repair events here in London are just the beginning. My name is Ugo Valauri from the Restart Project, and I'm joined today by Lauren Colley from the Restart team. Hi. Hi, Lauren. So in this episode, uh, we are going to focus on a topic that's on everyone's uh, conversation this week, and <laughs> it is Bitcoin. And uh, before we go we dive straight into this, uh, which is a topic that you've particularly enjoyed researching over the course of last week. <laughs> um, however, we wanted to just briefly uh, reflect on one piece of news uh, that we come across this week. Uh, some of, many of you will have probably heard that the Federal Communication Commission in the United States repealed net neutrality. And uh, obviously, we don't know what will happen as a result, but we fear this will have uh, negative consequences, both for consumers, people uh, using the internet and for creators of independent content uh, that might not be treated with the same amount of priority as people who can pay. Yeah, I, it's sort of kind of was shocking to see in the lead up to this. I mean, how many people were speaking out on Twitter and other social media sites just, you know, kind of forecasting what a disaster it would be, including Tim Berners-Lee, inventor of the internet itself. So, yeah, I mean, we're just observing this from the UK. It's not really going to change anything here, but still pretty big news. It sets a precedent that uh, we're very concerned about. And certainly the way it's been framed by the head of the FCC, that this will increase potentially the amount of innovation in a previously over-regulated uh, world. Uh, well, we we highly doubt that this is the case. And hopefully uh, there will be next steps that either change this or that will reduce the amount of impact that this will have worldwide. Uh, but not a not a good sign for proliferation or more distributed open and independent web no. but um, going straight into a topic that is very exciting and certainly Lauren you you you've got really into it while researching this week yeah you sound very surprised by that well uh, so Bitcoin everyone is talking about it uh, particularly because the value of this cryptocurrency is currently at around $18,000 uh, per Bitcoin. And it's been going up something like 1,500% since the beginning of the year. And it's fluctuating like quite madly. Uh, I just mm. checked just before the show, the value fluctuated over a thousand dollar in the last day, went down over a thousand dollar, and now it's going back up five hundred dollars in the next in the last two hours. So it, it, everyone is talking about it, and even if you open um, traditional media, Financial Times is asking the question: Should we st all start investing in this? And everyone has an opinion. And we, first of all, little disclaimer: we are not 
going to give you any financial advice or recommend that you do or do not invest in this currency or in the wider set of cryptocurrencies that are reaching the market in a way or another. But we'd like to better understand how this works and to maybe bring to light some of the contradictions uh, related to its little discussed environmental impact. Mm. So, Lauren, you've done quite a bit of work in uh, going through primers of how this actually works. And could you give us an initial set of <laughs> <laughs> what's the ABC of Bitcoin? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm absolutely by no means an expert on this. I sort of I had to I read an article actually that I found very useful, which I recommend for anyone who wants a sort of basic kind of entry level understanding and it's by a guy called Brett Scott, uh, who is a friend of ours, I believe, Ugo. Yeah, Brett has been working on alternative currencies for quite a while. He's been following this trend, uh, not just Bitcoin, but a range of alternatives. And uh, his work we highly recommend. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, he really emphasizes the link between sort of economic and um, ecological systems. But he has this primer called How to Explain Bitcoin to Your Grandma, uh, which worked for me embarrassingly. <laughs> Um, and basically, it's it, the whole aim of it is to create a sort of financial system that bypasses the current banking system. So it's completely decentralized. There's no one governing body who is in charge of this thing called the blockchain, which it operates on. And instead, the blockchain is made up of a series of different sort of nodes in this network, which together all kind of control yeah the cent well the the mechanism and. The way it works is that a transaction will be signed with someone's private key and sent to another person. And then that transaction will be sort of enter a group of transactions, which are called a block. And then miners compete to sort of solve a mathematical problem. And when that problem is solved, that block then becomes part of the blockchain. But yeah, the, the general idea is that it's it's completely decentralized and this thing called the blockchain is stored in every uh, node, node. node of the network. so. And so one of the concerns that people have increasingly, and rightly so with the banking system, is that often we don't feel like we can trust the traditional banking system. And so part of the excitement about cryptocurrencies has to do with creating something that's more democratic, less uh, prone to fraud, and uh, potentially more open and distributed, um, and that does without the need for institutions such as banks. Uh, but we also learned that it's not all um, obviously clean and uh, uh, perfect as it's been told in this digital clean uh, description that some algorithm fixes everything. Mm. Well, we think what's interesting about blockchain is it's drawing attention to the fact that I mean, most people, when they think about the digital realm, they think of it as something completely disembodied. And we talked about this in a previous podcast podcast episode where we interviewed Sophia Flucker, who works on cooling systems for data centers. And like what she reminded us of is the fact that the Internet is actually a physical place. Well, it's a set of different physical places, but it very much requires hardware to sustain it. And the the challenges that the blockchain or that cryptocurrencies are facing now are all to do with hardware and not having the right hardware and not having the, like enough energy to power the hardware. So it's sort of 
finally drawing that link that has always been missing in the popular imagination about about the internet and yeah physical the physical world yeah and in fact as we were going through materials um, around this we found uh, a wonderful photo essay uh, that was published by quartz um, online and uh, it shows one gigantic mining facility in china uh, which in a sense brings this materiality issue back in all of its um, big dimension, which is mining had a very physical, obviously, imagination attached to it, and digital mining is the same. So people think about data centers as places uh, increasingly, thanks to the work that uh, Sophia and many other people do in like making it more obvious that, to understand that there is a physicality to that. But when you think about Bitcoin, you think that it's something generated by people theoretically mining on their computers or things like that. But instead, it has a gigantic impact because it relies on enormous factories where plenty of hardware is solving these uh, mathematical problems 24 seven. And, uh, and and that is a big reminder that it doesn't just happen magically in uh, um, someone's computer. Yeah, and I guess to sort of fill in the missing link there, if it hasn't been made clear, is that the if you so you the way that Bitcoin is created is it is mined, and what that means is when a new block is added to the chain the person who adds the new block to the chain by solving the mathematical problem is rewarded in Bitcoin. So they're essentially paid for doing that. And the mathematical problem is a problem of probability. So obviously the more machines you have working on that problem, the higher your chances are of succeeding. And that's why some of these mines, like the one that we're referring to in this Quartz article, which is in Inner Mongolia, have like hu huge numbers of machines because obviously, yeah, the more hardware you have, the better your chances are. And I mean, that's interesting too, we were saying in light of the fact that it's supposed to be this decentralized network, but actually like inbuilt into its its very nature is this idea that, yeah, your, your chances are higher if you have more energy, which obviously isn't in line with the whole egalitarian argument, so. Yeah, and so in order to, to mine more effectively, people uh, or companies rather end up uh, positioning their uh, facilities, their factories, in places where they have highest access to cheap electricity, which could be uh, coming from coal uh, that actually is mined uh, physically. So it is quite ironic that, for example, in the case of China, you have digital mining facilities that are powered by actual coal uh, that is the least sustainable way to power this up. But because it's cheaper, because there it is allowed and regulated in such a way that makes it cheaply and easily available, then you have these blocks uh, of mining facilities uh, happening. And in back in the day, actually, in the initial days, I, I've traced the conversations a few years back where people were asking on Bitcoin um, mailing lists, uh, which graphic card they could be using to mine themselves uh, in on their own computers at home. And 
So in the initial days, this was a possibility. But then as the system evolves, it becomes absolutely impossible. You might have to work for 10,000 years in order to mine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting with, I mean, like with the parallel with um, coal mining. I mean, I, I'm not sure why this language around it has been chosen. I mean, they talk about the miners and then they talk about blocks. It like sounds like something that's really physical. And it also it reminds us that it is a finite resource. So you can't create an infinite number of bitcoins. I think they say that by 2032, all the bitcoins will have been mined. And it's it's really interesting. It's like, the I mean, it's deliberately tying it down to sort of natural resources really in the language, which is exactly the point we're trying to make is that it's not this disembodied imagine, imaginary currency like people say it is. It, it is 100% tied to sort of like systems of, of resource use. So yeah, I mean, and that's evident in just the way we talk about it, really. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, also, what we found uh, quite interesting is that to make a comparison with the restart uh, work and interest in repair is that inside this plant, actually, um, maintenance work is quite uh, crucial. Like So the, these machines, these mining machines uh, and hardware, like need required a lot of uh, maintenance and so that that's like the most valued job of people working there yeah it was one worker described it as a game of um what's it called like what's that game where you bash the hamster that comes out of the holes whack-a-mole or something <laughs> so as soon as one mole disappears or as soon as one machine gets repaired you then have to work on repairing the next machine and i mean these repairers are working incredibly hard because it's sort of jeopardizing their chances of losing the block if the machines aren't working because they've got, yeah, sort of less computing power behind behind it. Um, but, yeah, it's really interesting, these, these, these photos, like, just seeing inside the mine and then, like, seeing how kind of material it is and, like, you know, wires everywhere and people, like, manically working to sort of take things apart and then reconstruct it, working 24 hours, you know, right through the night. And I guess we will probably argue that while we can understand the need for data centers uh, to store all of the videos and our personal data and whatever else um, in in gigantic uh, storage facilities, here we're talking about gigantic plants that need to exist specifically to solve um, mathematical problems so that bitcoins can be mined. So in a sense, you need all this physicality to create something completely immaterial, mm -hmm. which could, by the way, crash uh, financially anytime. And so it does raise the question of uh, what's the point yeah. to an extent. And if we add to that the fact that, so the the next point is that the energy consumption actually, I mean, it's already it's already using massive amounts of energy. This this whole the whole network. Not just Bitcoin, but also the other cryptocurrencies. So Ethereum, I think there's one called Litecoin. And this energy consumption is going up as the mathematical problem gets more difficult. So it's sort of like as the value of Bitcoin increases, so does its energy consumption, which is why all these forecasts about its value going up are sort of really kind of scary news in a way. It's like, and I mean, that said, we absolutely cannot guarantee that its value is going up or will continue to, but... Um, it's an interesting link.
You are listening to Restart Radio on Resonance 104.4 FM. And today we're talking about uh, Bitcoin and its controversial environmental impact. So there's been estimates, uh, Lauren, that the environmental impact of Bitcoin uh, is already as big as the impact, the environmental impact of the whole of Denmark. And uh, so we... We don't know whether that's indeed the case, and there's different estimates. Some are more worrying than others. And so there is the impact, the ener energy impact, uh, which is the energy required for all these machines to be kept uh, going to solve these mathematical problems. And what we found was that these mathematical problems are just problems for the sake of being problems that need to be solved to mine Bitcoin. And so these machines could be doing something more useful, but they aren't. Mm. Well, I mean, we read an article about whether or not it would be possible for... So basically, the, the mathematical problem only exists as a way of... It, it's sort of as a way of getting people, like an incentive to for people to validate blocks in the chain it's just a, it's just like the only aim of it is to enter a transaction into this big record this communal ledger called the blockchain so the problem like in theory could be anything it's just it's like it's kind of arbitrary what it is right now and there's there's been stuff written about like why couldn't that energy be put towards solving a useful problem so looking for signals from aliens or you know kind of processing any other data that could serve some public good but <laughs> instead it's like just this kind of yeah puzzle like you'd solve a sudoku on a train it's it's yeah and it doesn't have any other meaning other than creating the competition but interestingly we also read that uh, one critique to this uh, let's make it more useful is that then the value would depend on whether useful things were created through that algorithm solving. And so that could bring another layer of difficulties in the further development of the currency. But we, we think that that alone is a problem worth uh, fixing. But there is another problem that uh, we, we are potentially more concerned about, and it's the fact that as the complexity becomes uh, uh, higher, there's also a rush to continually, continuously upgrade mm. the hardware that these uh, factories are are using to in order to most efficiently mine. And as we know, that the vast uh, amount, uh, of the va the main impact of all the computer hardware tends to be within the manufacturing and that these machines when they are dismissed actually they're not useful for other type of computing uh, this is potentially accelerating the amount of electronic waste generated by bitcoin uh, mining alone and that from our perspective that's equally worrying yeah so there's this this um principle called moore's law in electronic electronics manufacturing where it it's um the chip power doubles every two years as the chip size decreases is that correct Hugo? roughly roughly yeah. yeah so basically what that means is electronics get more efficient in time but as we've explored with regards to other things that doesn't necessarily mean that the amount of 
energy we're using goes down. It just means that we're doing more stuff with the energy that we're using. And um, so, and the bigger environmental impact of electronics, as we've discussed, is not actually the energy they use while we're using them, but the energy of making them. And um, so, I mean, that might be different with the Bitcoin because the, there is so much energy kind of coursing through these machines that maybe it's an exception and it's not like your regular iPhone. But uh, but yeah, the problem is still that as as chips develop, people there's this rush to sort of discard previous models of things and then and then upgrade so that these machines can then process things faster and they have more chance of winning Bitcoin. Um, so yeah, it's on top of the on top of the environmental impact of the actual energy consumption, there's the embodied energy of the hardware, which is another problem. And of course, this is not to say that other forms of uh, financial transactions don't have any environmental impact. And uh, uh, but at the same time, once again, we're creating something that people feel is completely immaterial and that is a great new addition to their potential investment portfolios. But it has massive repercussions in the way it's uh, generated. And also there is this idea that potentially by 2020 or it was a bit beyond that, like the whole uh, of Bitcoin could use the same amount of energy as today's used by the whole world. Yeah. And uh, this sounded quite unreal <laughs> as a conversation to have. Uh, I, I felt it was assuming that it's possible to double the amount of energy available in the world and so that Bitcoin could just grow and grow in energy consumption anyway mm. because there is infinite energy. And this concept, which seems very much in line with the techno-optimism that there will be a solution uh, to generate more power or to make a process more power efficient uh, so that it can grow indefinitely. It, it's just something that we always take with a bit of cautious. Yeah, caution. is that's st that statistic was, I mean, like kind of what caught my eye originally. I was just thinking, like, if this is true, then why isn't it bigger news? And I mean, it is. Well, Bitcoin itself is big news. But yeah, this stuff isn't really. And I think like there's an a degree to which I mean like I found it really difficult to sort of like it took me a long time to come to terms with like the basics of how Bitcoin works and I think that maybe people are sort of alienated from joining that discussion about its energy consumption because it is so impenetrable as a subject and the problem with this is that like we're all kind of paying for Bitcoin with in in terms of the earth's resources being everyone's resources we're paying for its energy consumption but very few people are actually benefit benefiting from that at the moment so I mean but that said Ugo like we did talk about some other applications for blockchain technology which is the technology behind Bitcoin and that doesn't have to be used for cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin necessarily I mean it also has other potential applications yeah absolutely so you know the blockchain technology can open up uh, more efficiency and openness and transparency in a number of other sectors and so innovation there could could help potentially increase um, efficiency even in say food distribution or transportation and that's why large companies like IBM and Microsoft and others are investing heavily in in this because they see that 
potential for more distributed uh, networks uh, to be part of future vision for computing. And even from the perspective of repair, we we thought about this and how potentially the blockchain could provide uh, external independent validation on how a device uh, could be more or less repairable and provide kind of a an independent uh, sort of ID passport for a gadget helping you to find all ways to independently repair it or just keeping a history of all of the repairs and upgrades that that device both at software and hardware level uh, has gone through so there is multiple uh, opportunities linked to this which is why people find it quite an exciting uh, potential development not just in the area of uh, cryptocurrencies alone yeah, I mean, the basic principle, as we maybe explained at the start, is that it's a way of, it's basically a way of passing messages in a secure way between people without the requirement of a central governing body that processes all of that. So, I mean, yeah, that's that in itself is just like quite an exciting thought. Um, so we don't mean to sound like we're sort of anti any investigation into blockchain because no, absolutely. it's definitely pretty cool. Um, absolutely. But we also think that uh, people should be aware that as always, uh, these technologies can be used in multiple ways, and uh, um, our our eyes caught a few interesting stories <laughs> about surreptitious uh, crypto mining, uh, and <laughs> a couple that were quite interesting was one about uh, a guy finding out that in a Starbucks in Buenos Aires, I believe. Uh, he experienced a certain delay when joining the Wi-Fi network and someone had inserted a JavaScript a piece of code in the software to join that network. And so for a short period of time, computers joining that network were helping to mine for one other cryptocurrency. And so that's one example. And uh, another example, still recently, uh, just a few months ago, on Pirate Bay, the, the famous uh, torrent site, uh, where they had in introduced uh, a piece of code in some of the pages on the site, but by tweaking it the wrong way, like this was taking over almost all the processing power of any computer going on that site, making the computers going at full speed to help mine uh, the a cryptocurrency called Monero. So it's it's interesting because it basically is another form of advertising, if you think about it. Like you would have your computer display maybe moving, flash advertising. And in this case, it's another way to monetize traffic to a website. But as usual, if it's not understandable or visible, people might be taken advantage of while they're browsing and mm. anyway it's it's interesting because it's another side of of this conversation slightly less obvious to the human eye yeah <laughs> <laughs> anyway happy um trading and happy investing if you decide to go ahead but we think uh it's important to think about also the other side of the story that doesn't get as much publicity and uh, uh, even if it becomes more environmentally friendly it still might mean uh, 
that it is very energy intensive nonetheless. So yeah. keep that in mind. I mean, we have seen some stories of like startups that attempt to use renewables to mine Bitcoin and stuff. But yeah, it um, it's just kind of worth remembering that. Uh, I mean, currently we're already struggling to transition to renewables, and so if there's extra energy demands, it's just going to make that transition more difficult. But Absolutely, and there's so much need for clean energy. We shouldn't create more uses that are unnecessary. So this was the last episode of the year for Restart Radio, and uh, we don't have any Restart Party upcoming f before the end of the year, but find out about uh, more events at the Restart Project dot org or you can follow us on social media at uh restart project uh, on both facebook and twitter thank you for listening and thanks to up noise and cassini sound for our soundtrack and if you'd like to catch up with previous episodes you can find them all at the restart project dot org slash podcast thank you Bye.